Welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Rondike. Today I'm joined with John Eldridge, who's an author, counselor, teacher, and founder of Ransom Heart Ministries. Welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. If you're a first-time listener, thanks for checking us out. I hope you enjoy this conversation. If you're a long-time listener, if you've tuned in before, thank you for your continued support. It means so much. If you have not done so already, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review or rating on iTunes or Google Play, it would be much appreciated. In today's conversation, I speak with John Eldridge, who's an author, counselor, teacher, and founder of Ransom Heart Ministries. We dig back into John's background and his time in California, seeking the allure of the spiritual trends and the widespread in that area, but then coming to a newfound understanding of treasure and diving in headfirst. John speaks on recovering gender and the importance it has at the level of the soul. Also, how can one hear the voice of God? How can we bring back a healthy masculine soul? He addresses these questions by looking into his book, Wild at Heart, a bestseller, but then also his latest book, All Things New, Heaven, Earth, and the Restoration of Everything You Love. He touches on the image of Christ as both an authoritative voice on strength and power, but also as one of playfulness and tenderness. He shares more on the necessity of union with Christ and that through him you're able to address mental health, sexuality, among others. Finally, we dig into some essential pieces of a romantic and intimate relationship. To get through woundedness of a woman, you need to share your own woundedness. Check out ransomheart.com for more on John, but let's tune on over to the conversation with John Eldridge. I know a lot of folks uh, may know you through your through your books um, and Ransom Heart Ministries as well, um, but I wanted to actually start a bit a bit uh, earlier with your upbringings in faith uh, and your explorations into Eastern religion and mysticism and kind of your your roots and and so forth before you uh, got involved in all the great things that you've been doing as of recent. So, would you mind sharing a brief backstory on how you came to the place that you're at now? Yeah, I, I was um, I was raised in what I think would be called a pretty typical American home, uh, sort of good, hardworking people, but not grounded in a faith. They were um, I, I never went to church growing up, had no experience of that, didn't know what that was about. There was a family Bible on the bookshelf in the living room, but no one ever took it down. I never, ever, ever saw anybody in my house read it. Um, and in my high school years, I actually began to get very spiritually hungry. I just, I was looking for meaning. I was, I was looking for answers. And, uh, you know, at that time in the late sixties, seventies in Los Angeles, holy cow, man, you, you could, you could choose from a wide uh, array, you know, you got the hippie movement going mm -hmm. on and gurus and, and Eastern mysticism. And, and so I, I was hungry. I started reading. I started asking questions and uh, looked into Native American religion. I looked into Eastern mysticism. I read guys like Lao Tzu and 
Uh, and then I read some New Age uh, teaching, and, and the, the interesting thing was through all of that, I just wasn't convinced. I wasn't convinced. There were pieces, there were insights, uh, but there wasn't the truth that I was, I was looking for the whole package, right? I, was, mm. I didn't understand at the time, but I was looking for a worldview. It's like, I want, I want truth that applies to everything, the arts, the sciences, my life, my relationships, and I'm looking for God. And, and uh, I had a pretty remarkable encounter when I was 19 with Jesus Christ. He, uh, he really stepped into my life, revealed himself to me uh, in a very beautiful and very personal and intimate way, uh, became very real. And I went out in the living room and I pulled that family Bible off the shelf. I literally had to blow the dust off the jacket, kind of the classic, you know, television shot, and and opened it up and and started reading. And um, Christ became very real to me. Uh, At that time, God bless this friend, wherever he is, uh, this guy named Kevin gave me the works of Francis Schaeffer. And Francis Schaeffer was a guy, he was, he would, he, founded the Labrie movement. He really understood the counterculture, really understood what people were looking for um, through the drug movement in particular. And and he wrote he wrote Christianity to answer people's questions. He wrote as a worldview. And man, I devoured his stuff. Then C.S. Lewis and and I was off and running. I mean I, I took the red pill. Hmm. Wonderful. Um, so you know, so uh, one thing that has been that uh, you're you're seeming to kind of lead on here is there's this almost this treasure element and part of your journey. It sounds like you were after kind of looking into the allure of these different you know these different pieces or elements that might look like um, that might look you know like it's you're you're going to strike gold. And one thing I love about uh, Ransom Heart is you aim to recover the treasure of the gospel. Um, so I wanted to know kind of a bit more about this notion and really as the, you know, the foundation as part of your mission uh, for Ransom Heart Ministries. And what are some of the biggest pieces that may be overlooked or not given enough credit uh, in the gospel that do require us to not only recognize its treasure, but uh, recover its treasure? Oh, man, uh, that's such a good way of putting it. Um, you know, let me just, there's so many, but let me just name two to start off with. I think um, gender, you know, the the feminist movement was raging when I was uh, in university in, in the 70s and, and 80s. And, uh, you know, but the gender debate was still, the, there is masculinity, there is femininity, but what is it and, and how do people live in it in a just way, in a kind way, in a, in a way that's good. And But now gender is gone it's gone and it's collapsed uh gender is a spectrum uh through which people move and change and you know find identity and um that's where we are now and and i would say if you go back into genesis and you you look at the creation story this incredible dignity is bestowed on the human race we are the sons and daughters of god we are the children of god we God is our Father. It's just an extraordinary thing, and we are made in His image. Uh, you know, Genesis one twenty six through twenty eight. Let us make 
the human race in our image, God says. And it, and it goes on to say, male and female, he made them. And so I would say that gender is something with extraordinary dignity, something with extraordinary beauty to it. Uh, it it's not coercive. It's not oppressive. It, it is absolutely glorious and, and meant to be very healing to humanity. Like, as, as you, you know, human race is very, very broken. Uh, and, and that's just a given. If you, you don't understand the human race is broken, then you, 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 you get really off into some rabbit trails. But if, but if you start with the premise that the human race is very, very broken, uh, physically, you know, cancer and AIDS and all this was not meant to be a part of our life. And, and, and emotionally, you know, people's wounding and trauma and, and their personal stories, uh, you know, and we're, we're broken people. Well, we're broken at the level of gender, because if you, if you take Genesis for what it's saying, it's saying that gender is actually at the level of soul. It's, it's very deep. It's very true to humanity. And, and so I would say that would be one of the treasures, one of the lost treasures of what is the dignity of a woman? What is the dignity of a man? How does that express itself in love in a world like we have today? Another treasure that, that I think people have really lost um, just by way of example, is hearing the voice of God. When I when I first became a Christian, I was on a road trip in my 68 Volkswagen Squareback from L.A. to Montana, and I ran out of gas somewhere outside Jackson, Wyoming. I was in deep trouble, man. We were way back in the woods. We were on this fishing expedition, and nobody's around. I run out of gas, and I'm like, oh, no, I totally blew it. I'm an idiot, and all that stuff you go through, you know. I've wrecked my mm -hmm. I've wrecked my trip and my car and you know, and I'm like, wait a second, I have God, I believe in God, and so I prayed. I was very new at the faith thing, and I prayed, and I'm like, Father, I I need some help here. I'm out of gas, and in my heart, not externally, but in my heart, in my internal internal being, I heard him very clearly say, I'll bring you gas. I'm like, whoa, that is so cool, awesome. And so we go off fishing, we come back an hour later, and this there's this literally VW busload of hippies pulling up next to us. They're like, hey, we love your camp spot. You know, can we have it? Are you guys leaving? And I'm like, actually, we're not going anywhere. I'm out of gas. And I'm like, oh, no kidding. Well, we're headed into town. We'll bring you gas. And that, that was the beginning for me. I thought that was normal. I thought everyone kind of understood you get, you get this conversational relationship with God and and uh, and then over the years, as a Christian therapist and counselor, I've just you know I've spent time with literally thousands of people struggling because they don't know that that's available. Uh, they don't know that gender you know can be healed. They don't know that conversational intimacy with God is available, and a whole bunch of other treasures that that um, we love to recover that stuff and bring it back, bring it back to thirsty people. Well, there's a lot in there that I want to I want to cover and we'll get to, but I think it's uh, only appropriate to um, to start uh, again. I think with where times are right now, uh, keep it pretty relevant, but um, and look back at I know you you wrote Wild at Heart some some years ago now, but um, uh, masculinity, as you mentioned, is something that's really being. Uh, it's there's this, as you, there's there's this notion we're not really sure what it looks like anymore because the the lines have you know unfortunately are are really there's a wide spectrum as you mentioned of gender 
Um, so for men that are looking to really lean into, hey, what does it mean to be to have this masculinity that is that is uh, inspiring, that's hopeful, that's uh, encouraging for women to attract to, to to really live into who we're called to be. Um, how, you know, how do we go about thinking about this um, and really, you know, looking again from wild at heart, what's changed in that time, maybe from when you fo- first wrote it to today, that's like, yes, we really need to focus on this particular aspect or element of masculinity in order for us to be effective. Yeah, well, what's changed is the hostility, um, you know, Harvey Weinstein and the hashtag Me Too, mm. and you know, the the idea now is that masculinity is just bad, um, and and the best thing we can do is get rid of it. When I would say no, the best thing we can do is heal it, mm-hmm. uh, because masculinity at its core is something that the world very much needs. Um, and let me let me try and explain what I mean by that. Uh, in 9-11, when the Twin Towers were on fire um, and people were literally leaping um, to their deaths out of the windows in the most horrifying, you know, one of the most horrifying events, you know, in our lifetime, uh, there was a group of firefighters that were running up the stairs while everyone else was running down. And that's masculinity. It, it is courage and strength on behalf of others. It's not abusive, it's not coercive, uh, but it is strength and it is courage. And so let, let me let me back up into Wild Heart for a second. So we were out at the park the other day and, and uh, there was a little guy there, I think he was probably six years old. It was hot, it, it, it was uh, a warm day, it was sunny, and he had on a full uh, superhero outfit. He was, I think it was Flash, you know, the. Uh, the superhero Flash, and uh, and it was just it was just absolutely quintessential masculinity because every little boy, every little boy wants that. Every little boy wants he wants to be amazing. He wants to be powerful. He wants to be fast and strong and brave and true and and you know he wants to be a Jedi Knight. He you know he wants to be Spider Man. Um, because in the core of masculinity wounded masculinity, broken masculinity, there's a core question now. And the core question is, do I have what it takes? That's the question every little boy is asking. Do I have what it takes? And he asked that question of his father. He asked that question of his world. And how that question gets answered for a young man shapes him into who he is. Uh, we want to know we can handle life. We want to know that we have a strength to offer the world. And, and so the core issues, and here's the fascinating thing, guys. So Wild at Heart has gone all over the world. It's, it's, uh, it's in China, it's in Kazakhstan, it's in Colombia, Peru. Uh, it's, it's being used in um, villages in Uganda. There is something universal to the masculine soul. And I think it's these core issues. I think it's the issues of courage and strength uh, heroism and sacrifice and really knowing, knowing in the core of your being who you are and that you have what it takes. Mm. And courage is, is understanding that there is risk involved and it is, it's going straight to it and, and, and approaching that. I love in your, um, in your book, um, when you mention a quote from C.S. Lewis, it says safe, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. Um, 
So I wanted to, you know, the notion of uh, starting from the beginning in Genesis and uh, just the the image the image of man and uh, through Christ, just maybe an example or uh, example of times when you've uh, really seen something that uh, something incredibly courageous that that Jesus has done or, you know, looking back in, into the biblical text. Yeah, I think I think our image of Jesus has been part of the problem here. He got mm. very emasculated over time and kind of became androgynous or even more effeminate. You know, it was gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Um, but, but when you look at the life of Christ, it, he is actually an extraordinarily brave man. Um, very courageous, very strong. Uh, you know, the clearing of the temple, for example, uh, in, in John's Gospel, early in John's Gospel, Christ goes into the temple, and of course the money changers are there. And the whole thing, it's Las Vegas. It's, it's corrupt, mm-hmm. and it's swindle, and it, it's gross. And he's furious because there wasn't supposed to be that in, in the way of people finding God. None of this creepy religious stuff, none of the money stuff, none of the manipulation. He's furious. And so he starts throwing tables around. And and they have livestock in there, cattle and sheep and stuff. And he literally drives the livestock out of the temple area. That's a that's a very difficult thing to do. Anyone who's spent time around, you know, agriculture or farm life can tell you you, you get animals panicking. I don't care how strong you are, it's chaos. And now you have angry men because their money is bouncing all over the floor and you have cattle and sheep and chaos. And Jesus has the ability to command all of it and to drive it forth. There's something about his presence that's very authoritative and and strong. And yet, you know, in the next moment, you see him reaching out and touching a leper uh, who no one would ever touch in that culture. It was considered... You know, you were immediately a scandal. And he doesn't care. He doesn't care that he's a scandal. He reaches out and touches this man to heal him and to tell him God loves him. So you can, Christ is this exquisite blend of incredible um, strength and power and authority and also this remarkable tenderness and even playfulness. He, he's got a hysterical sense of humor. Uh, so, yeah, I do think you get a really wonderful, well-rounded picture in, in Jesus Christ. And I want to I want to shift a little bit now. And you've mentioned a lot about um, this this healing and this coming, uh, really this restoration of kind of coming back to um, to as thing as things are and as you are. And in your one one of your most recent books, All Things New, Heaven, Earth, and the Restoration of Everything You Love, uh, you discuss the the promise of a new heaven and a new earth. Um, and so I want to know kind of a bit more on the, the foundation of this book and, uh, kind of, you know, highlight into why you decided this message was so important and what, what the hope, uh, you're aiming to convey. And then we can, we can move forward from there. Yeah. Well, you named it really well at the beginning of the podcast when you said it's the recovery of these lost treasures, um, and, and gender would be one intimacy with God would be one. And then, you know, I just, again, as, as, a, as a Christian therapist for, for more than 30 years, I just listened to people's, I've been in a lot of tragedy. I, I just did the I just did the funeral service for a beautiful young man, 28 years old, who was tragically killed. And I've seen a lot of it. And, and people's view of heaven is horrible. 
it's just it's creepy it's religious it's you know it, it's either the harps and halos thing or it's just you know we'll all go and stand in the in the throne room forever and that's actually heresy it's 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 not helpful it doesn't help the human race it doesn't help people at all it actually hurts them so i really began to look back into what is the promise what is it that god means and so when you say what's the foundation in the book it's restoration if you look at all of, if you look at the way Jesus interacts with humanity, he's he he is all about restoration. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame can walk. He loves healing people's lives, and then you you know you see him do it with the fish and the loaves, right? He's actually has power over nature. He commands the sea, you know, to be still. Paul says this extraordinary thing in Romans 8. He says, yeah, all that restorative power of God, he's actually going to do it to the earth, too. So he's going he's to restore humanity, but he's also going to restore the earth. And I went, whoa, wait a second. I don't know anybody that knows that. Mm-hmm. Most people, you know, heaven, earth is vaporized like the Death Star, right? And we all go to the, you know, the great airlift to heaven. Mm-hmm. And, and the more I started looking into it, I go, no, that's actually not true. I mean, Paul's very, very clear in Romans 8 that the earth is restored. And then, of course, Revelation 21 says that the earth is restored. And, uh, and I, so I started going back and looking at this incredible offer of God. That, uh, and, and again, you just you see this in all the movies that we love, right? Whether it's Braveheart or Lord of the Rings. I just watched the Disney film the Moana. You know, and, and at the end of the film, the, you know, the island is restored and, and death is overcome and everything's green and beautiful again. And I'm crying at the end of this Disney film because the restoration is there. Everybody, it's there. Like we, the human race longs for this message, knows it to be true somewhere in our heart of hearts. And this is exactly what the Gospels say, that that what Christ is about to do for everyone who will put their trust in him it is total restoration of your life and your own story. He doesn't wipe out your story. Your story gets restored. And he does the same thing for the earth. Everything you love about the earth, you know, the cross country skiing and the fall colors in Boston and, you know, and, and, and fishing, right. For stripers mm-hmm. off the coast of Maine and all that gets restored gang. God doesn't, he doesn't ruin the earth that he loves. It's the whole message of the kingdom of God is restoration. And I just felt like that was a massive, massive missing message to people. And and so to go to this grieving family a couple of weeks ago and to, and to say to them, you will recover every lost part of your story with your son. Every precious moment, all of that is restored to you. Now that's hope. That's not harps and halos. That that is extraordinary hope. You can you can build a life on that. Yeah, I think we do have this this image. And as I'm as I'm as as I as you're d- discussing, I'm thinking, what well, what is my image of the end of end of time? And I think we there. I don't recall exactly where it is, but I'm 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 sure in Revelation where you know Christ comes and swoops everyone up and brings it, and it's just like this almost just this. This, this, the image is so much, it, it's so, it's very like our time here is very, very short. We can't enjoy it. Just, you know, we're just waiting to get swooped up and go and go elsewhere. But I love the, 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 the focus again on creating a kingdom here on earth, kind of as it will be in heaven. And it's this, uh, this coming back 
back home and bringing this restoration. As we think about experiencing, or as we look at earth and, and all its beauty, how do we think about experiencing what we have right now? What are, what are some, where are we uh, maybe misstepping or not fully appreciating uh, all that we have right now and w- kind of where, where do we need to go? Mm. Well, let me answer that through the kitchen door because um, I want to come back to the life of the heart. The life of the heart is the most critical thing about any person. And, and in your heart is the real you. In your heart are your passions and your dreams. In your heart are your fears, too, and your wounds. Your heart is where the action is, and the fight is over your heart. And so um, one of the things you have to ask yourself is what makes you come alive? Because God's in it. And, and for a lot of us, nature is what makes us come alive. It's, you know, people, they, they love swimming or they love skiing or they love sailing or they love to go for a run, you know, on a foggy morning or they, they love just taking a walk in the evening with their dog. There's something healing about nature. Well, that's the life of your deep heart. And God is in that. And so in the meantime, while we wait for the coming restoration, the kingdom of God, the, the breakthrough into restoration is taking place now. God is restoring people's lives right now. And, and so recovering your loves, recovering your lost dreams, you know, finding the life that you were meant to live is a deep, deep part of what it means to follow Christ. And he will meet you in the things you love. And so is it music? Is it, is it listening or playing to music? Is it reading? Is, you know, uh, is it, is it competition? And, and, and he's in it, man. Mm -hmm. He's in that stuff. I love bow hunting. I love fly fishing. I love mountaineering. God's in it. I find him out there. And, and so the life of your deep heart matters very much. It matters very much to God. And he's, he's up to the restoration of your heart. And that begins now. That part does not wait for later. Mm-hmm. Um, in, I think more more than ever now, we're in a, uh, I don't know if crisis is the appropriate word, but we're in an extremely challenging time with with mental health. Um, and um, kind of from, from reading Wild at Heart uh, and just kind of trying to conceptualize this, um, a lot of these these natural desires that we're having are are, are kind of being left to, are being left dead, um, and we're not able to experience them, um, or we're uh, we're we recognize a, a desire, but we're abusing it, abusing it in an improper way, or um, not really identifying what what it's for. Um, so when I think about that, I think about pornography and how we're kind of we're not uh, not addressing uh, our this this sexual desire in a proper way. Um, so I want to know kind of how you've been able to see, um, you know, we can take this either, either way, mental health, pornography, um, really, I think two separate issues, but I, I tend to, to see some overlap in between. Uh, and I think it, it starts with mental health. So I guess kind of looking at mental health, mental health, um, what is the, what, what is an imperative, uh, that we should be thinking about to, to keep ourselves, um, in, in the light and also keep others in the light as well? Uh, it depends on how distant God is to you. Mm. Um, because he, our humanity includes our mental health. 
and our mental health is healed through union with Christ. So the, the offer of Christianity is not just a life of uh, faith or correct uh, doctrine. Uh, it actually is union with God. Uh, Jesus used the analogy of we are branches and he is the vine. He is the tree trunk and we are the branches. We literally derive our life from him. And, and what God wants to do, he wants us to turn our lives over to him for union with him. Because as the beautiful, holy, wonderful life of Jesus permeates our being, it heals now, there's a place for discipline, and, and, you know, the beautiful girl walks by that doesn't have a bra on today, and you're like, whoa, yeah, you look away. Of course, discipline matters. You control mm. your thought life, you, you, you know, but it's not just about discipline. It, 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 God really actually wants to heal your sexuality, uh, and we live in such sexual brokenness, mm. but, but it's, it's not just a matter of let's put as many boundaries around that as we can. It, he actually wants to heal it, and the way he heals it is through union with his own life in you. And so I, I think what we're after, what we're pursuing is, God, I want a deeper union with you so that your beautiful life can flow through my life, including through my sexuality. And as he, as he heals and restores our sexuality, then some, to be honest, some of those deep, deep, deep issues actually go away. You know, now we remain sexual beings, and our sexuality is, is core to mm. you know both masculinity and femininity. But the damage and the addiction mm. and the darkness actually gets healed through union with Jesus Christ. Paul says in Colossians that the mystery of the gospel is Christ inside of you. It's Christ in you, Christ inside your very being, because from the inside out, He can heal and kind of permeate our thought life and our mental health and, and our sexuality and all of it. It's extraordinary. Mm -hmm. So speaking on the unity, uh, I think um, a lot of men, young men, uh, are you know seeking uh, a spouse, seeking to to continue this this unity with uh, in marriage or you know in a relationship to start. Um, what what advice do you have uh, for men to do a better job of presenting themselves in a Christ-like way uh, to to women? Well, it goes back to that question, do I have what it takes? Because mm -hmm. you got to look back at your own life and ask yourself, how did that get answered? Um, because we all create a false self. We, we create a persona that we project to the world. <clears throat> but inside, inside, the story is often very different. And Christ wants to heal that so that it's just one and the same thing. Inside and outside, we're the same person. Because that deep question, do I have what it takes? You cannot take that to a woman. No woman can answer that for you. Uh, it gets really messy when you ask a woman to tell you who you are mm -hmm. as a man. And that's why pornography is so absolutely powerful, by mm -hmm. the way. It has very, has very little to do with sex. It has so much to do with broken masculinity because she makes you feel better. Um, it, it has to do with relief. It has to do with ministry. But you're, you're looking for God, right? You're looking for the healing mm -hmm. presence of God. And so let's talk about pursuing a woman for a minute. There's a couple mm -hmm. things you really want to know. Um, you want to know her story. You need to know her story because she's going to lead. She's going to lead with her best game. 
She's going to, because she doesn't want to be rejected, right? She wants to be chosen. She's going to lead with her best game, but you really need to know her story. Because once you get into the relationship, all that's going to show up, right? And, and there's brokenness in there and there's fear in there, just like there is in you. Um, so you don't want to be fooled by the presentation, shall we say. Mm. <laughs> Which is very true about pornography, too. You don't want to be fooled by the presentation. You know, she's, mm -hmm. she's a woman and she's got all those issues inside of her as well. I know she looks perfect. She's not. Uh, perfect doesn't exist out there, mm -hmm. but good does. Good does, and and marriage can be absolutely beautiful, and marriage can be absolutely wonderful. Um, so I would say, um, make sure that, that you your deep questions about your masculinity are getting answered uh, by um, the men in your life, by the fellowship of men, and 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 from your Father God, because then you can move with confidence into the life of a woman. Uh, most men are actually afraid of their wives, and that's not helpful. Um, you can't you can't live with courage. You can't say the things that need to be said if you're afraid of her. Uh, and you don't want to be afraid of the girl that you're trying to pursue, right? Uh, so you want to get some of those internal things sorted out. I know who I am as a man. I'm a, I, I'm a son. I'm loved. Uh, I, I you know those things that Christ says about you are absolutely true. Uh, and then. The other thing you want to know about her is she's wounded. I guarantee it, guys. She's wounded. Um, and she's, it's an enormous source of shame for her, uh, but she's wounded. And it's just really helpful for you to know that because you're going to step on these landmines. You're, you're going to run into these 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 tripwires, and, and suddenly the relationship is sideways, and you're like, what happened? Uh, well, you hit her woundedness, and, and it would be good to have some honest conversation about that. Uh, and one way to do that is to share your own, and share your own story and, and your own brokenness and, and, and invite her to be honest about hers, because then you don't have to fake it with each other. You don't want to fake it. And, mm -hmm. and you don't want to be surprised after you say, I do. You want to know what you're getting into. And, and sharing your story can often seem uh, for a man to be vulnerable or be uh, to invoke shame or guilt but it's but it and might might have the initial reaction that oh this is this is going to be emasculating if i if i maybe reveal something that i might not be not not sure if if she should know about but it sounds like this is this is a this is a part of the process of uh getting to that deeper level um we're able to know somebody outside of just the, the the presentation which as you mentioned can often can be deceiving if we look at first glimpse yeah Right. We started with courage. Yeah. The whole conversation about men. Well, vulnerability requires enormous courage. Mm. Faking it doesn't. Right. So you want to live with courage. You're, you're going to live with with vulnerability. And, and, and that starts with your guy friends, too. It starts with this. It starts mm. with your guys in your study. It starts with the men in your world. you got to be honest with each other. Right. You cannot just you can't just be a community of fakers. Right. You've you got to be transparent. And that takes courage, and courage is a very wonderful thing to develop in the soul. Hmm. Wonderful. Um, last question I want to ask, um, what uh, advice do you have for folks that are listening to this podcast, in particular men, as they go out into the wild? Into the wild? Into the wild. Out into the world. Into yeah, the world. out into the world. <clears throat> it will... It will raise for you your fears. 
It will. Looking for a job, pursuing a girl, taking a promotion, starting a company. Same thing as going out in the wilderness itself, right? Going on your first backpacking trip, uh, you know, a three-day canoe trip or whatever. It, ra- it will mm. raise your fears. And instead of running from that, go straight into it. You go straight into your fears and you invite God there. Invite him to meet you there. And he will. Jesus will meet you right there in your fears. And enormous and wonderful things can happen as you do that. Great. Um, well, John, it's been it's been a pleasure having you on today. And I uh, just want to know where folks can find you and uh, the work that you're doing. Yeah, so our ministry is called Ransomed Heart. So you can Google Ransomed Heart or John Eldridge Ministries or something like that. You'll find us and we have podcasts. We have a lot of resources for men and women, mm. really, really healing stuff. And we do some live events. Uh, so you might want to get on and find out what we're doing with that, too.